Yo, our intro's so fire. I actually get hyped every time I hear it. It just puts you in a mood, my it man. It does. It absolutely does. This is Game of Runs here on 101.5 UMFM. My name's Neil. That's Sue Ridge. How are you doing, man? I am well. I'm a little tired. You know, your boy didn't have his coffee. And, uh, you know, he's trying to break some habits. He's trying to live life with a little clarity, as we all should. Absolutely, man. I hear that. And you know what that clarity has led me to? I need some coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee's good, man. Coffee's delicious. Coffee's good. I've actually tried to weigh down myself. I used to be uh, a cup in the morning before I left. Yeah. But I'd bring about a liter in a thermos to work. A liter? Yeah, yeah. So I've weighed down to now I have my cup in the morning, and I basically have like another cup in I, that thermos, which is probably about, I would say, maybe 250 to 300 milliliters. That's acceptable. That's a cup. Yeah. And you know what? The biggest thing I noticed is I, I don't necessarily get super tired in that uh, that afternoon span that a lot of people do talk about. But I get really tired around like 8.30, p.m. Like that's when I really notice. And it actually kind of cemented that maybe I was drinking too much because I wasn't getting tired at that time beforehand. 100%, my man. Um, I've noticed my intake go up. You know, I'm working, working a bit around... Uh I guess I work in coffee now. I yeah, guess I could, right. I guess I could yeah. say that. Yeah, the new fools. Yeah, so I, um, I've i noticed my intake rise up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, I, as part of developing a palate and kind of learning about coffee and, you know, uh, exposing yourself to more kinds of coffee is, you know, having to, uh, I don't know, I guess, taste it. Yes. And that really puts you in a... In a mood, in a zone, in a uh, level of focus, and it really hits. And um, once you start, you know, adding wild variety to your to your daily routine of, uh, I don't know, no cups of coffee to five or six cups of coffee, uh, it's gonna you're gonna notice change. Yeah, that that's a that's probably a simple statement for. Uh for that. Yeah. Uh, people are here for coffee talk. People are here for basketball news. Gaffa, gaffa, gaffa. Neil is wearing one of the best hoodies of all time, the NBA logo hoodie. Oh, thanks, dude. This, uh, was, uh, this was one I tracked down on the NBA.com store for a long time. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was like a Christmas present to myself. You you got a Heather like Gray one uh, from the store itself, right? And I wore that thing to the ground. Oh, it's done? Th- oh, it's the, retired? Yeah, the sleeves are all torn up kind of mm, thing. And, that's like, character. The, the elastic is completely gone, so this was the replacement. Placement. Nice. And I, I wish it were more. But we are an audio show, not video, so you cannot see that. I told you off air that uh, I had something uh, to open the show with, and it wasn't okay. coffee. And I just want to get your honest opinion, whether this is surprising to you, not surprising to you. The Milwaukee Bucks are on pace for 70 wins right now, <laughs> and they have a 12.3 differential that's almost five points more than any other team in the league. Thirty-five and six is an eighty-five point four percent win percentage. That's uh, <laughs> that's way better than I thought they were. Seventy Holy and twelve, Jesus. my friend. <laughs> that was my thought exactly. Oh my god! Yeah, we're halfway through the season. Technically, they played forty-one games, so just double that over seventy and twelve. Wow! Whew, uh they're not going to make it. I can't help but think they're not going to make it. Which I think is almost besides the point, you know? Yeah. Because I almost feel like, not that they're being slept on, but people, I don't, are people used to them being that good? Because this is really only the second season that the Bucks have been at the top of the conference, have they not? 
Yeah, is this does this have to do with how tumultuous the Eastern Conference has been? Maybe. Because that's the only thing I could think of, uh, of people writing the Bucks off. Or that the East is kind of not as strong as it was last season. Uh, is that even true? I'm not even sure because people have talked about this. While everyone is really going to be fighting for that second seed because after the top six teams, the Eastern Conference really does fall off a cliff because you got the Bucks, you got the Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Sixers, Pacers, and the Pacers are getting Depot back, right? But then right after that, there is almost a yeah, there is a six game difference between the Pacers and then the Nets and then the Magic there at seven and eight. So. Should you just give the 7th and 8th positions to the West Coast? I don't know, because if you look on the other side, the West aren't that much better, right? Because Memphis, the Grizz, man, John Moran, Triple J, they're right there now uh, taking the 8th seed away from teams like the Spurs, the Suns who had a hot start, the Trailblazers. Wow, it is kind of dumpy this year. Without a doubt, yeah. I think the top of the West is significantly stronger than the East. But are the Bucks the best team in the league right now? Oh, see, that's where the problem is. The Bucks have the best record in the league, but it's common knowledge they're not the best team in the league. So is that why people don't talk about it? Yes. Okay, even though they have arguably the best player in the league, the reigning MVP, <laughs> the MVP yeah. who came back much better, uh-huh. has increased his stats and shooting percentages everywhere, He's he might actually win defensive player of the year and MVP in the same season and they're on pace for 70 wins but people still don't care because they have to do it in the playoffs. I believe you mentioned on our show last week uh subscribe to Game of Runs on iTunes uh and Apple Podcasts. Um <laughs> yes. But uh and Spotify. Uh you mentioned that someone made a call that there will be no dynasties uh which signify Three wins within a relative time frame, say a decade. Three championships in the 10 years, yeah. This might also be the decade that you uh, you can really push for not having any uh, two-peats, any back-to-backs, uh, depending on how the teams turn out and whether or not we get another super team, Giannis to the Warriors, blah, 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 blah. No, that's PUBG, uh, baby. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I note, that's so funny, and I wish they streamed. Because yeah. that would be listening to them on the same stream, both Curry and Giannis. Just finessing. <laughs> just, oh, man. Count me in. Um, who, who else streams? Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, and Gordon uh, Hayward. Anthony Towns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- uh, yeah, those guys are, they're all geeks, man. They're all yeah. just like us. But you know what? Like, again, this is complete sidebar. We'll get back to what we're talking about. They do have a lot of time. And I know when I was playing a lot of basketball in high school, my part-time job was video games. Straight up. You know, like it was basketball and video games. So if I'm making millions of dollars and I want to try and stay out of trouble, yeah, you better believe I'm online. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's lots of of pros to it. Hand-eye coordination. Yeah, there you uh, go. Social uh, fun, you know, uh, you're hanging out, but you're not hanging out. A hundred percent. Keeps you out of trouble. Yes. Anyways. Um, th- this is the decade, and it kicked off with the uh, the Raptors. Like, this could be the decade where we don't really know year to year, right. and it feels good because it was the Heat for a while, it was the Warriors, and that kind of took up that swallowed up the whole previous decade. And uh, now this year, it's kind of up in the air. It's Clippers, Lakers, uh, Warriors if they're healthy, maybe I don't know the Bucks, uh, the Raptors, currently defending champions, um, the Celtics. Feel like the Celtics are karmically paying paying for their sins. 
(laughs) I know, just so many bad things keep happening to them. But, like, they've made perfect move after perfect move, perfect finesse after perfect finesse. But, like, oh, you traded Isaiah Thomas after he played with an injured hip and his his sister passed away? Uh, Oh, you, like, coldly traded people away um, just in cold blood? Uh, Oh, you amassed this great team, but Gordon Hayward can't stay healthy and... Kyrie Irving decided to leave and join the Illuminati. Like, what is happening, dude? <laughs> so, if the Celtics ever pick it up together, yeah, they'll they'll probably perennially contend. They're so well set up with the the J and J Tatum and Brown. But like, I can't see any team with like long lasting major potential to like just swallow up the decade. And the Bucks are just in that mix of like teams that hey, there's a twenty percent, thirty percent chance you could win a championship. The Bucks are part of that. Um, are they anyone's favorite? Oh, man. Who can stop? Uh, I have a question for you. Who could stop Giannis Antetokounmpo? Al Horford. Yeah? He's the okay. one that did it last year, right? And he has to meet him in the conference finals, most likely? Uh, I don't know, man. Philly keeps sliding. Uh, with him beat out for a couple weeks now with that finger, which looked just nasty. Yep. Um, yeah, they haven't been playing super well. Five and five in the last ten. Again, we both have the standings in front of us now. But uh, yeah, twenty five and fifteen. They were my pick going in. You know, on our yeah. prediction show, uh, it was them and the Lakers because they have such a formidable top five. You know, and especially defensively. And you better believe they paid Horford that much money because he can guard Giannis. And nobody can guard him perfectly, right? But you need a big body. You need somebody that can move fast. And you need somebody that's smart. And that's kind of Horford, right? On the Celtics, I have no idea who's going to guard him. I can't think of anyone who's going to directly. Is it going to be Tatum or Hayward kind of thing? It's not going to be Tice. It's not going to be Cantor. Give, give him semi ogelay <laughs> Just thought about it, right? <laughs> uh, even the Heat, you know? Like, Bam would be really fun to watch in a series against Giannis. Bam's really good. He's fantastic. I finally got right? to watch some Heat basketball. Jeez, Bam moves crazy. Bam is, uh, what a what a perfect fulcrum for both the offense and defense. Yeah, it, what, what a gem. And uh, my boy Jimmy, still shining. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I don't even know if we're, we'll get to the, the beef between him and Warren, but God bless Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Like, just no, like, I I love the no filter. I love how he's just no BS the entire time. Yeah, I will ride for Jimmy Butler his entire career. Word. I, I, I he's, he's earned his way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second round draft pick, uh, perennial all-star now. 100%. Anyways. Yeah. And then the Raptors, I mean, they actually have a fairly good chance of guarding him, right? Like, Gasol's done a wonderful job guarding him in the past uh, you could throw Siakam at him you could throw OG at him every once in a while they probably have the best mixed bag of guys to throw at him and I know the Raptors are going to be that team that no one wants to see in the first round because the expectations are low but yeah. they better like you better believe they believe in themselves right they are the, the they're champions, champions yeah right? so uh that will be really interesting but yeah like going down to it and then they've had injuries here and there Bledsoe's been out for a bit um uh, Middleton's been out for a bit. Even Giannis has missed a couple games, is, and he's kind of like an Iron Man, right? But there you got a bunch of guys that have question marks when it comes in the postseason. So maybe that's just really it. Regardless if they're on pace for 70 wins, maybe everyone just kind of shrugs that to the side and be like, let's see in the conference finals. Let's see if you can get to the finals first. Exactly. But if they can get to the finals, I don't know, man. I feel really good about the Clippers being able to defend them. 
the Lakers too, man. Anthony yeah. Davis, he's actually might be the the perfect person to try and guard Giannis. And that's why people are projecting to that, uh, like you said, conference finals and uh, and the finals. Uh, the Bucks, I don't know if they're that that team right now. It's Giannis and then a bunch of stuff. I love Brooke Lopez. I love Chris Middleton. I don't think that's enough. Yeah, which is which is weird. So is it is it really just they have a really good system? A really smart coach, an, in, an in, ex, insanely, extremely dominant player in Giannis, and they just kind of beat up on teams on random Tuesdays, and that's why they're thirty-five and six right now. You know what this is? This is the same coach who coached the the sixty-win Hawks, who had five Player of the Months in one month. Insane! I still can't believe they did that. If you assumed, <laughs> if you combined all five of those players, and then. Gave that to Mike Budenhoser, it would be this right now. Like Giannis is just essentially those five players all together put together, and then random roster, and then the same coach. Pop quiz: Can you name all five? I think I have them in my head. Damari Carroll. That's the one I thought you wouldn't get. Okay, Al Horford. Yeah. Um, Kyle Korver. Yes. Oh, it's getting tough now. Missing the one and the four. Point guard. Point guard. Oh, he plays on the Wolves. Yeah, he does. Oh, You got it there. You he, got it. He has a brother. <laughs> oh, I don't like him. <laughs> Teague. Yes, Jeff Teague. Marcus? Jeff Teague. Yeah. You and then uh, Paul Millsap. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that, point guard was giving so me this year. That's so funny, man. That's yeah. so funny. It, it's such an iconic five. If like The only iconic fives that I can name are those and the 2004 Pistons. Yes. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> took the thought out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> so... But um, yeah, all those five of those players are Giannis, and until Giannis joins something else or something else joins Giannis at an All Star level, I don't know, man. I don't feel really good about the Bucks being champions. You're the Bucks in uh, my GM right now. Who's that second guy you're trying to package? Your, uh, your say whether it's Middleton or Bledsoe stuff like that, or even you can go with some of your young guys like Vincenzo's playing super well kind of thing. Say say you have like a fairly sizable package that you could trade for somebody. Is there a star in your mind that would just pair really well with him? I know I'm putting you on the spot because that I asked you that because I'm not even sure because you mentioned he he's kind of. He's kind of the sum of like five different players, right? Yeah. So what pairs really well with that? I mean, the shooting is obvious. Right? You can't you can't get someone who clogs up the lane for him. Hundred percent. Like you're not going to trade for Drummond. No. Uh, That's why oh. Splash Mountain's been really good for them, right? Like he's he's very much opened up that lane and that offense for them. Yeah, and Giannis is just a terror downhill. So part of me thinks like I, I like Bledsoe the least out of their starting lineup. Uh, I would try to move Bledsoe for Chris Paul. <sighs> That's a really good call. Chris Paul a better is, call than what I was going for. Chris Paul is going ham right now, and he's really upping that value. Yeah, if you trade a bunch of draft picks, Oklahoma State loves their draft picks. Right. If you trade that, you know uh, Eric Bledsoe, some filler, they'll probably want to prospect, uh, and then yeah, make it work numbers wise. Chris Paul and Giannis. Oh, man, that's a finals team. Yeah, because, I mean, Chris Paul can spread the floor. He can still shoot extremely well, right? And he's just that heady, smart guy that can help run a team. And when it comes down to it, I think one of the toughest parts of this team is that they're not challenged very often. So when it comes down to, like, the, the, the clutch, basically... 
they don't really have that guy because Giannis can't shoot free throws. He still constantly air balls at the line. Would that work basketball-wise, too? I think so. Yeah? You imagine that pick and roll. Would it work non-basketball-wise? That's, a, I think, a big thing. I think they, they're very uh, kumbaya, yeah. you know, right now with the Bucks. I think they have a bunch of guys at home have uh, very big egos. I actually probably think Bledsoe might be the, the one sore spot when it comes to just camaraderie on that team. And that's just from a complete outside perspective, yeah. right? Um, but I, I also think Chris, like the way Chris Paul's handled the OKC tenure, it, it, it honestly could not have been gone, going better, right? Like he's, he's basically taken this team that a lot of people didn't have really high expectations for, and they're playing so well. They're right there at seven. Uh, they might continue. Like they're probably the hottest team in the league right now. And the way that he's taken SGA under his wing, I think is says so much about where he's at right now and what he's trying to prove. And you better believe he heard everything people were saying after he got traded, right? Like, oh, they, they can't win with Chris kind of thing. He just, he mucks up the locker room, stuff like that. He's old. He's washed. He's hamstring and all that stuff. Controlling. Now he's balling out, man. So, like, I think he's probably at that spot in his career where he's, like, he's trying to get that Jason Kidd ring, you know? And maybe yeah. it's getting to that right team. I don't know if it's OKC because I really don't know how they significantly improve their team, whether it's this year or next. But, man, the, the Bucks are on the clock. People talk about it a lot. But uh, this summer, he's going to get that super max offer, right? And what his decision is, by all accounts from him at least, he's going to stay. He loves Milwaukee. It's the only place he's known since Greece. I don't know. If they flame out and say the second round and they lose to like the Sixers or the Celtics or something. It's a wash. I don't know. It's, it's very, very interesting for a team that uh, just completely dominates Bledsoe, the regular season. Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, and two future first round picks. Something like that. Yeah. You know, especially like if you're OKC, I think you're playing with house money right now. Oh, yeah. You know, you got Gallinari, who's a trade trip that a lot of people want. Chris Paul's probably, he's, he's he, I don't want to say he's an untradeable contract, but a lot of people thought he was. But I think he's kind of played his way out of that right now. The Bucks might, might be that team that would take that swing to try and get him to stay. Get it done, Mallory Edens. Get it done. <laughs> I forgot about Mallory. Big shout to Mallory. I forgot about Mallory. What a beautiful, beautiful girl sitting courtside. Absolutely. Uh, big shout to Wes, I guess, as well. <laughs> the old bum. Um, so all that said, what basketball, what, what basketball have you watched recently? You know, I actually did watch a Bucks game. I'm trying to think, was it against Denver maybe? Did you catch any um, of uh, Spurs Raptors? No, besides the DeMar dunk. Yes. Okay, <laughs> thank you for bringing this up. Okay, he, I think people sleep on him as an in-game dunker. Yeah. Just nasty. This is like, this is a former dunk competition guy. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he still got it, man. Uh, the Spurs are actually quietly uh, playing pretty well right now with uh, LMA taking it outside the arc. You yep. know? I think he's shot and hit more threes this season than he has his entire career. I originally tuned in uh, to the score app. Uh, I was like on my way home pretty much. So I tuned into the score app. I'm like, oh, DeMar's zero for eight. <laughs> okay, this is not good. This is not a good homecoming. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you tune in and you Wait, actually Wait, was this his first game back? No. Okay, I was going to say, like, have they done a tribute video for him? 
I am positive they have. Hmm. I, it doesn't come to memory, but I'm yeah, positive they have. Yeah, I feel the same way. Was this his first time back? I don't know. Oh, oh we should know this, shouldn't we? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Raptor fans. Man, come on. I'm but canceling no, it, it would have been right last now. year for sure. Yeah. Right? It would have been last year for sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh the Raptors man, I, I just love I love seeing DeMar do that and then hearing the crowd feeling super unsure. <laughs> Of what to cheer? Yeah, exactly. Like, it was really a lot like uh, Kevin Durant going down with the injury in like a more positive light. Yeah, I'd be like, like, oh, do it like what? Do oh, we oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So because yeah, you could definitely hear it in the crowd. And then uh, I forget who was hugging uh, Pirtle on the sidelines, but I think Pirtle, it was Splitter or no? Well, it was, it was, I have uh, no idea who. Not Splitter is long gone, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was Pirtle and uh, I don't even know who it was, oh, but uh, it was super funny. Watching him console him, oh Pirtle, um, yeah, man, I, that felt so good to see uh, Demar do that. He's one of those guys that I will never not cheer for. You know, like I just want the best for him. Oh, dude, he's he's earned his his place in my heart, in our heart. If you were the Spurs, would you blow it up, or would you just kind of ride this wave, kind of appease Pop, so to speak? As long I, as I feel as like lo- they're at like a, a weird crossroads, are they not? As long as Pop is there. Uh, Pop can do whatever he wants. Interesting. And Pop is only there for one more year. So you're not going to trade DeMar for Evan Fournier and a draft pick or something? I just have yet to see the Spurs make a, like an in-season move like that. Not really. I don't think they really ever have. That's yeah. a good point. So, but, but they've also always been... Never, say never been trash? Like, yeah. Like, they're, they're right outside the playoffs right now. They're 17 and 21. But, again, like, are you going into the playoffs, say you're up against the Lakers with LMA and DeMar? Yeah. I don't know, you know? Like, it's it's a weird thing. I'd, I'd be very curious to hear the conversations uh, internally with the Spurs or if Pop is just like, listen, man, <laughs> I'm gone. So just let me ride this out at least. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't want to lose my last 20 games here. It'd yeah, be very, very interesting. I think it might be that. The entire bottom of the West, actually, like Memphis Grizzlies down, Spurs, Sun, Blazers, Timberwolves, Kings, Pelicans, Warriors, are all at weird, weird places. The Grizzlies, I mean, talking about a team playing with house money, John Morant and Triple J are playing out of their minds, and they got guys like Jay Crowder, who's playing super well, DeAnthony Melton. They're actually in the playoffs now, which is nuts. Spurs, we've talked about them. The Suns. Super hot start without DeAndre Ayton. Ayton comes back. Now he's coming off the bench. Weird. Very. Portland, Western Conference Finals last year. 16 and 24. Injuries. Really? Got to write it off. That's it, eh? I think. I mean, like... And they lost Aminu. They lost Harkless. They really lost a lot of They lost all their wings, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm not going to be too upset with those guys for playing with their entire bench right now. Timberwolves, another team. Carl Anthony Towns has been out. Another guy that's been sort of an Iron Man throughout his entire career. Wiggins, who uh, had an incredibly hot start to the season, has become Wiggins again. The Kings, all over the place. Um, I really thought they would take a step up this year, but uh, Bagley just can't stay on the court. De'Aaron Fox has been hurt. Um, do you remember who coaches them? Oh. Tommy Lee Jenkins? Close, man. You're pretty close. Uh... Ooh, Chris Jenkins. That's so funny. You actually forgot. 
Uh, I kind of forgot too because I thought it was not a huge hire, but I thought people were excited about it. With the uh, team being very fast and this guy's uh, limited coaching experience. Oh, Luke Walton? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought we were talking about the, the Grizzly stuff. Oh, man. My yeah. bad. My oh. bad. Um, yeah. Uh, what are these teams? Like, I, I'm happy for those teams who have been playing with house money. Kind of been surprising. Uh, and, and, you know, we spoke a bit about the Kings last week. Teams that were kind of disappointed and such. The teams who suck, what are they playing for? Lamelo Ball, <laughs> yeah, are you down with this? Sucks. The draft is also awful. Yeah, are you actually down with this draft? I'm just curious. No, I don't know much about it. I actually listened to Hollinger and uh, Nate Duncan today about it, and it probably soured me even more on this draft. Where they were, they were comparing it. <laughs> Guess what draft they were comparing it to? <sighs> Old Depot draft. <laughs> Close. Actually, oh. was it the same draft? 2013? A Canadian went first. Oh, the Bennett draft. <laughs> the Bennett oh draft. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're saying it's the Bennett draft. I mean, if you're a bottom team and you're hearing that, you're like, ah! Ah, oh, we should have been good. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, man. Lots more to talk about, though. We're going to head over to the studio. Half hours always go really, really fast uh, when you're live. And... Uh, Got lots to talk about. We're going to head over to the studio. Thank you for tuning us, uh, tuning into us here on 101.5 UMFM. Again, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just keep listening to the rest of this episode because uh, we got lots more to talk about. But uh, if you're listening to, li- to us live, subscribe to us. Listen to the whole podcast. Serge is going to tell us uh, his deepest, darkest secrets. I hate the Knicks. <laughs> That's it. That, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Keep it locked here at 101.5 UMFM. All right. It's time for basketball. It's that time. Should I start like I was trying to start before? Man. 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 <laughs> to real. This, was a, this is what I was going to say. Man, I feel like I did not do my due diligence before today's show by not even opening up RNBA before walking in here. Because we sat down in the studio just now, as we are, and I opened up the front page of Reddit. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot. That I did not recognize. Number one, Zion is back. That is huge news. That is also huge news for my fantasy team, Better Call Gasol. Number two, (laughs) I think I hate Pat Beverly now. Wow. Wow. How the tides have turned. <laughs> For real. Uh, number three, uh, Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles' new nickname is Bojangles, and that's incredible. <laughs> the two big white guys on the Jazz who are also number three in the NBA.com power rankings. Kyle kissing his son after falling down. An incredibly cute moment. We talked about DeMar's dunk. Something even better is him crashing Pascal Siakam's scrum at the end of the game, telling him that he owes him money. <laughs> what an incredible couple days and an incredible sloot of links on NBA Reddit right now. Great word choice there. <laughs> Where would you even want to go with this? Uh, the floor is open. Zion returning. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, Consider me giddy. Yeah, hey, hey as, a, as a fantasy owner... Of uh, who currently has the player rights to Zion Williamson, I I totally understand your excitement. As a basketball fan, I totally understand your excitement. Um, Zion Williamson 
Probably no chance at getting Rookie of the Year, but oh my gosh, will he be looking to mark mark his uh, his territory when he returns? And uh, I just can't wait to see what he can do against NBA level talent. What he's been able to do in the preseason is just just unfair. It's really like when you overpower your two K player, you just make him the biggest and the most jacked, but could still jump to the moon. Yeah. So that's essentially what Zion is right now, and uh, I cannot wait to see it against NBA-level defense. I think that's the biggest thing, right, is uh, preseason is one thing. Summer League is is the one thing, which you didn't play in. Preseason is another. But then regular season, when games really, really matter, um, that's when the defense is there, when coaches are game planning and stuff like that. And I know he's probably going to play, what, 14 minutes his first few games, which, yep. is, which is fine. Ease him in. They literally said that they had to reteach him how to walk and run. So probably pushing it to 30 is not going to happen for a while. But uh, just like you said, him up against NBA talent and see what he could do because we've really never seen a specimen like this guy. And being able to come into the season, you're right. I think he has kind of lost the rookie of the year thing. Jaw has stolen that. He is incredibly playing exciting. out of his mind. So good. Uh, Grizzlies on a five-game winning streak as well. But him coming back, and the Pelicans aren't super far from the Grizzlies right now. They're actually four games back. They play each other in a week as well on uh, Martin Luther King Day, which is where a lot of people thought he was going to come back. So I was surprised. The, th- the first thing I saw when I opened up NBA Reddit was that he may come back this Thursday if uh, all goes well at practice this week. But yeah, it's it's really just seeing him on the court and if all of our dreams and fantasies come true with this man. <laughs> I I can't help but hear the 10% fantasy owner in you every time you say talk about Zion right now. Oh man, just he's just going to put up numbers everywhere. Yeah. He blocks, he steals, like <laughs> think about what he did at Duke. Again, I mean ACC talent whatever. He he really does everything. He even shot some threes, open at the top kind yep. of thing. The dunks speak for itself, but his his field goal percentage is through the roof all the time. He steals the ball, he goes and dunks it. He swats the ball, the crowd cheers. He passes the ball because he's not unselfish. Or he is unselfish, pardon me. He really he has it does all. everything. And, and he's a humble dude. Yeah. Uh, have you? Did you see him on JJ Reddick's podcast, The Return of the JJ Pod? No. Pretty good pod. Uh, Hearing them together made me also very happy because, I mean, I think JJ's a super level-headed dude and uh, opinionated but probably, like, loosely held kind of thing, which I think is what we all strive to be. When he talks to him, they seem like they're really good friends. And JJ's been there for, what, I don't know, six, seven months or so? And hearing them talk... Hearing him call him young guy and stuff like that, uh, I uh, I really really enjoyed it. It's a good pod. You should definitely listen to it. It's actually on YouTube as well. It's a good oh, watch. Sick. But uh, that made me really excited for him to return because I think he's in a really good spot. I think they have a really good team around them that I would say has been underperforming. Drew has had a pretty tough year, uh, both injuries and just playing on the court. Uh, JJ's been shooting well. Uh, Brandon Ingram has been. Unbelievable. He shoots, he fundamentally shoots differently. Did you see that uh, video that someone posted? Broke apart his whole shooting structure. Yeah. It's really cool. It is Uh, really cool. And uh, like a a lot of the comments had to do with like, yo, like think about how many of these dudes aren't willing to change. 
because they, they got drafted, man. They they made it this far, being you know the the cherry on top, the the king of the hill, and there's a lot of ego in it. Like when you're willing to make those changes, and you like, you kind of see the science behind it, and you know that if you put in the work and make these changes and just stick to it, and start to take some of those shots where you don't feel comfortable with a new form, uh, it could help you in strides. And he wasn't even a bad shooter. No. You know, and he's he's been unbelievable this year, and uh, it is really cool to see those kind of videos side by side. I definitely uh, recommend anybody that's listening to this uh, to go uh, search it out, Reddit, Twitter, wherever. You could definitely find it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's been, been playing super well with this team all intact, playing well. Lonzo, another guy who's been playing out of his mind. A couple of triple-doubles lately, playing really good defense. They have an extremely bright future with those few guys. And whether Drew kind of sticks it out with his team or he becomes like an incredible trade chip to just add to the talent, even Jackson Hayes, um, Alexander Walker, the Canadian kid, uh, plays well when he gets the chance kind of thing. There's a, there's a lot going for them, and I know people talked about this before the season, but now it feels even more real with this guy coming back. Yeah, and if anything, it'll just give us another... Another team to watch, like they they introduced like scheduling, maybe what like just this season or the season before. They've done it for a while, but I think it's it's it tough been taken advantage of the fact that two of the teams that were on national TV a lot with the Warriors and the Pelicans had two injuries to their best players before or like at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think they've used it a lot more, so it's kind of more in uh, the limelight, but. They've definitely done it before. They should do it more often. I know yeah. it's it's kind of it's probably really tough for both the venue, the fans, uh, the broadcasters, and stuff like that. But a lot of moving parts. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, I mean, there's there's good reasons to not show Amari Spellman on uh, Thursday TNT games. You know, what you got against Amari Spellman? <laughs> uh, so the 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 thing is that like it'll at least drive you toward that, right? Like. You don't have to flex out the Pelicans for as much now. Because uh, even though he may only be playing 10 minutes, dude, the, the camera's not going to leave Zion. They're no. going to have a dedicated Zion camera. You got it. So it'll be it'll be ratings galore. People kind of want to know why is this guy the big deal um, or supposed to be a big deal. So I, I'm excited for, one, he gets to actually like prove himself a little bit, uh, ease into it. A la maybe like the Paul George uh, when he came back from his horrific leg injury. Right. Like, hey, this is the later half of the season, or in Paul George's case, the last few games of the season. Just get some reps in. Uh, remember what it's like to be on a basketball court with, like, high-level competition and uh, and go from there. So he's kind of playing with a little bit of house money, but the the pressure's still there as Zion Williamson. Yeah, just I think just be the pressure is there because people are so excited. He's the Cho Zion one. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. How dare you? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take my headphones off and just, <laughs> just leave. Oh, speaking of leaving, Pat Bev's gotta leave. Wow. Okay. So watching that video of his defense, which okay, two things I have a huge problem with in this play. And if you haven't seen this play, I know we're talking about the, like little videos and stuff like that. But uh, again, NBA subreddit, Twitter. If you're an NBA fan, you've most likely seen these kind of things. Unless you're me and then just seeing them right here at uh, 6 p.m. here on a Monday. However, watching him play defense against Jokic in this one play where he's basically, his body's at a 90-degree angle bent at the hip with his head into Jokic's hip. That already annoys me. 
the fact that he's playing defense like that. B- bent over? Yeah. yeah. Like, that. It, it's not good. It's almost like a gimmick in a way where he's just trying to be a pest and annoying. And, I mean, that's why the guy gets paid. I get that. Yeah. I do get that. And then when he flops, like, he is he not the biggest flopper in the NBA right now? I really can't think of anyone else. Smart does, for sure. If you traded, if you took your entire argument and... Don't do it to Larry. Don't say that. (laughs) If you were going to do that, I saw it coming. Don't say that. I'm just saying. Lowry plays with heart. Okay. Uh, But you call Lowry a pit bull. Yes, he is. Is Pat Beverly not kind of a pit bull? He's more of like a chihuahua trying to bite at your ankles, man. Wow, the gall, the audacity. I don't know. Like, I... One of the my favorite things that Harden's ever said is that Pat Bev just runs around and does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much because, I mean, even if that's 50% true, that is such a funny thing to say to another <laughs> professional basketball player that you really just run around on the court and really don't do anything. I do think there is some fact behind the the idea that he's an excellent defensive player because one-on-one I think he does do a really good job uh I think it was just this season like maybe a month or two ago where he had that uh, block on LeBron uh in the final second essentially game winning exactly he makes plays like that yeah but he also does shit like this that yeah makes it very hard to cheer for but you know what I guarantee there's tons of people out there that love that kind of stuff. I I wouldn't say it was one of those kind of players. I was more of a Kyle Lowry guy kind of uh, kind of thing, but I would definitely do things to specifically piss people off. You know, whether grab it's like, the jersey, tug the oh yeah. yeah, you know, like pinch them at the back kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. But like I'm also like a five nothing point guard trying to make do with what I got, and maybe that's Pat Bev too. I don't want to talk myself into this guy, but man, watching that clip really upset me. Hey, Pat Bev is the guy I relate to the most in terms of style of play. A guy who likes to move the ball, play hard defense, and occasionally shoot if it comes to him. And I that's why I have an allegiance to Patrick Beverly. All right, here we go. Yeah. A disagreement on Game of Runs. With that said, is he a pest? Has he actually done things that I fundamentally disagree with, a.k.a. dive at people's knees and take Russell Westbrook out and others uh, with a chance at uh, injuring others, yeah, hundred percent. He has done things I don't disagree, like I don't agree with, as like a human, you know, ethical compass, right? Is concerned, like, yeah, attacking someone's livelihood, so to speak. With the the Russ one is the most egregious one, probably. Yeah, that's the most notorious, uh, and that started the Russ uh, Beverly beef. Uh, Harden, of course, has his own uh, quabbles with him, I guess you could say. And Russ is his boy. Yeah. So it, it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, Beverly is one, a hard defender. Two, has played in winning systems on winning teams because, as you said, he's hired to do this sort of thing. Uh, this is a second or third team all defense guy at the least a lot of times. Is there a third team defense? Second, uh, first or second. <laughs> this is a second team defense guy. Um, when it comes down to it, thank you for correcting me there. Um, but like, I, I can't help but think that, yeah, him being a pest kind of makes up for actual defensive traits that would be uh, maybe get a bigger limelight 
with other players. That I really agree with. Yeah. Like, there are genuinely better defenders who won't get much of a limelight because Pat Beverly makes more highlights. Drew Holiday, actually, I feel like is a really good example of that. Like, Great. people really didn't start talking about his defense until that uh, first round sweep of Portland. Was it two years ago now? Yeah. Oh, man, it seemed like a long time ago. But that was like, oh, my God, did he just shut down both of their guards, right? You just guard mm-hmm. both of them and play uh, great offense on the other end. But, yeah, Pat, Pat Bev, it's because Drew does other things, right? Like, Beverly really doesn't do a lot else than play really good defense. Like, you said move the ball, but sure. He'll shoot some threes. <laughs> I mean, if you're on the court, you're most likely going to move the ball. Unless but, you're Anthony, Carmelo Anthony. He's a perfect point guard for the guy – who needs the ball? Like a Kawhi, like a Paul George. Very true. Like a Harden. So, um, I, I I still think there's a place for Pat Beverly in the league. I just wish, like, the only thing that really cancels Pat Beverly to me is his injuries. Like, the injuries he's caused. So, other than that, I, I think he's exactly what the NBA needs, which is more attitude. I'm taking a look at uh, the two all-defensive teams in the past couple years. When do you think the last time Pat Bev made the all-defensive team? And that's, I don't want that to be a trick question. It could have been last year. But in your mind, when was the last time that he made the team? Honestly, I don't think he did for like the longest time. Um, if anything, he made it last year and before that, never. 2016-17. First team. Pat Bev, Draymond Green, Gobert, Leonard, Chris Paul. Oh, that's a money. Last two years, he wasn't on either team. Okay, so 16 was the year. Yeah, 16, 17. I knew he made it once. He was also on 13, 14 on the second team. Okay. And I think that was the only time. So two times he's been uh, on the all-defensive team. That makes sense. But is, okay, so now looking at these, so like the more recent guards, is he a better, just give me a yes or no, is he a better defender than Marcus Smart? He has more highlights than Marcus Smart. He's not a better defender than Marcus Smart. Is he a better defender than Eric Bledsoe? He has more high, He has far more highlights than Eric Bledsoe. Drew Holiday. Uh, he has more highlights than Drew Holiday. I think he's a better defender than Drew Bledsoe, actually. But uh, I don't... Eric Bledsoe. Uh, than uh, Eric Bledsoe. Didn't no. take you for uh, a Patriots fan there. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe. Good, good call. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned he's on the Patriots because I was like, oh yeah, the guy from the Saints. <laughs> so, so that's Drew Brees. Yeah. Close, yeah. You yeah. got the Drews right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm not. I think he's a better defender than Eric Bledsoe, not, um, not Drew Holiday, and not Marcus Smart. Clay Thompson. Oh man, Clay Thompson could defend bigger guys. True. Uh, Dejounte Murray. I want to say that Patrick Beverly is a better defender, but that could be purely out of um, exposure. I've watched a lot more than I have uh, DeJounte Murray. Last, uh, two last guys uh, for you, uh, two all-stars, Jimmy Butler and Oladipo. Oh, man. Those, those are two players who are, like, well-rounded. Right. So if we're just talking defense, I want to say defense because Pat Beverly specializes in that, but that's, that's me playing mind games with myself. Yeah, that's fair. It's always tough ranking guys like that, especially when I, defense isn't, it's not objective by any means, you know? Yeah. Um, there's there's obviously stats and stuff like that, but... Uh, given given the size of a lot of those guys, those guys could defend more positions than Patrick Beverly. Which so, is a huge advantage, right? So, so you have to look at 
almost from a relative point of view, like if Patrick Beverly was bigger, how much would scale over, right? Right. So, right. Um, I would, out of that entire list of players, I would take every one of those players that you listed, except maybe two, over Patrick Beverly. Bledsoe and Dejounte, maybe. Yeah. 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 Bledsoe actually surprised me. I mean, he had a really good year last year, um, but uh, it is still surprising seeing him on the the first team all defense. But it is what it is. It is like maybe LeBron. Yeah. Remember that? Hey, remember when he was on the Clippers? Yeah. Remember when he was being mentored by Chris Paul? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, so is SGA's future going to be Eric Bledsoe esque? I really hope not. <laughs> no, that's SGA is already better. SGA's it'll already be better. even more ironic if he's traded to the Bucks for his former protege. Yes, that would so. be interesting. That would be interesting. Uh, th- to finish this conversation up, I would say the biggest compliment I could give to Pat Bev is he is a guy that I absolutely would not want to play against and somebody that I would love to have on my team. The Joe Kim Noah effect. Yes, exactly. Right, And whether that's just being a pest, an irritant, whatever that may be, you cannot knock this guy for not being ready to play in every game and being up for it and going to give his 100% effort all the time. And these are all these are all things all coaches say, whatever it may be, but he does do that. He does do that. Good. Okay. So I, at least you leave with a level head. You may, <laughs> you may still uh, – he may still be canceled Screw in your mind. Screw this guy. He may still be canceled in your mind, but there's, uh, there's some good to Pat Beverly – and he's a complex character. Yes, without a doubt. But the the third thing that we talked about, what we were going to talk about here on this uh, second. Hey, half oh, of this our is episode. not complex at all. The Knicks suck. Okay, they I, suck ass. I dude. just. Why do you want to talk about the Knicks? How much? Okay, because I have a friend from New York. Okay, so we talk about the Knicks. Okay, I gotcha. What will it take to sell this team? Oh yeah. What will it take to get this team out of James Dolan's hands? I think that's a super interesting conversation okay let me pitch uh, it to you okay the knicks and msg uh immense value money printing machines the regardless of the success to be honest the clippers itself went for two billion the msg based off reputation and importance to pop culture eight billion interesting eight billion i think is the cutoff I think six is a reasonable number for MSG and the Knicks. Eight billion would be what it takes. I think uh, I've heard four being floated across for the team itself, and it's really tough for me just not knowing, being fairly naive to the the entertainment business. I mean, you better believe they're getting the A plus list stars performing at this at Madison Square Garden, right? So the entertainment side to that, man, it. I would not be surprised, actually, if somebody told me that that was worth more than the Knicks themselves. So, yeah, maybe eight's not crazy. And and that's just what it would take. Um, My homie Ash actually mentioned, like, I want Jeff Bezos to buy. Like, There's not many people on this planet that could actually do it or get a group of people to do it. Yeah, and it's got to be, like, someone with Amazon money to actually do it. Right. reason I want it to happen is because basketball has always been and will always be better if the Lakers and the Knicks are good. Without a doubt. And I think a lot of this actually came to light with Stern's passing. Yeah. You know, because he has always been a massive proponent of, I, I don't want to say like he doesn't care about small small markets, but he really cares about the big markets because 
a huge part of his success was his focus on the marketing of the NBA, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I forget who said it, but, uh, I mean, there's been so many stories and stuff like this about uh, Stern, but somebody said uh, during the – which uh, which draft was it that they were sitting behind him? I think it was uh, – I think it was the Kevin Durant draft where it was Odin at in Portland, small market. Yeah. Kevin Durant, Seattle, small yeah. market. And I'm not even sure who was third, but it was another small market. Was it Memphis? Was it OJ Mayo or something? Kevin Love? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, w- regardless. And, and then whoever was sitting behind Stern basically said, they, they heard Stern say like, oh, like why can't we get one of these guys to like a big market? And he was probably talking about Odin and Durant, right? I really don't remember who that third person was. But you're right. You're so right. Basketball is better when the Knicks are good, when LA's good. These are big, massive markets. They're, they're swing markets on the East and West Coast, right, that get people to care. There's a reason why, the, I mean, the Lakers will forever and always be, regardless if they've sucked the last five years, now LeBron's here. They will be like that's a franchise people ride or die with, literally. Yeah. Oh, dude, Knicks fans are devout. Lakers fans are devout. Like those sorts of. Uh, I guess you could put Boston in there to a degree, but like, but to, also not as big of a market. Yeah, to be in LA or to be in New York. Uh, I want to put Chicago in there, but like Chicago's probably yeah. closest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, like those guys, th- those teams have religious basketball fans. Like yes. if you are good there, you are a legend. It doesn't matter if you win. Hey, even people coming in to the garden and having extraordinary games. Look at the mellow deal, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, given how he, he was uh, traded there, right? Or uh, given the nature of how many people, as you just said, allude, like wish to perform in the garden. Uh, and putting on a performance could be putting up 50 points or it could be playing a concert, right? To have a show at the Garden would mean the world to a lot of people. And uh, to be the power broker of that, to be the one housing the event, there's a lot of money in that. There's a lot of ego in that. Clout, you know? And Dolan loves his clout. Of course. Dolan is such a fucking clout goggle machine. <laughs> He's... A, Oh, he's so full of himself. Oh, it's crazy. JD and the straight shot. Fuck your band, dude. One of my favorite uh, theories or ideas to get him to sell the team is to for all the Knicks fans to just really pump up JD and the straight shot so they get Take so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the, they get so big that he has no time for MSG or the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, he just goes on tour and that's that. Either way, like we're gonna have to deal with Dolan in one line or the other, whether it's music or basketball. Unfortunately, um, and I was comparing it to like I was comparing his actions to the Raptors, and I wanted to bring it up to my my homie Ash, who's a who's a Knicks fan, because Masai Ujiri's first move was trading Andrea Bargnani to the New York Knicks for a first round draft pick. <laughs> for a first round draft pick, and that was the catalyst which led to a championship team. So, um, and then I, and then I turned to my homie, I was like, and it sucks that I'm comparing a president of basketball operations to the owner, because that's what you have to deal with. Very true. You have to deal with an owner that thinks he's the president of basketball operations. So that's the fundamental issue with the Knicks. Uh, also Bobby Portis, chill the fuck out. Dude. <laughs> Just chill out, man. 
as a former bull, I want to love you, but dude, just chill out. Um, Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, third pick, Atlanta. Horford. Yes. Ah, yes. So Atlanta, another decently small market. I think a great city by all accounts. Fourth pick, also small, small market. Memphis. Ah, uh, fourth pick in that draft. Mm. Can't think of it. Spoke about him. Really? Today. What? Interesting. I really don't know. Mike Conley. Ah, uh, Con- yes. Right, because Conley and Odin. Yep. Come on, Neil. Ah! <laughs> Ohio State represent. Right. So uh, the Knicks suck, dude. I know what to do. I honestly don't know what to do to fix it. I wish I did. Yeah, going back to my fantasy team here, Mitchell Robinson, who I <laughs> absolutely reached on in the fourth round because I thought he was going to have a great second season yep. with the Knicks. Starting center spot, wide open for him. Why not? They have nine power forwards, and they all play in front of him. This dude's playing 12 minutes a game, and he's a freak. Ah, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Their roster is very troublesome. Uh, one of their best players is Taj Gibson. Oh, yeah. Julius Randle. Taj Gibson in in 2020. Yeah, uh, exactly. Let's, right? that's, let's add yeah, a footnote there. Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty good context because, I mean, he's been a great serviceable player for a long time for uh, some of our favorite Bulls teams too, right? Yep. But uh, he can't be the team's best player. It, it, it just I mean, and he's not. Julius Randle probably is objectively, but uh, you're right. They have, uh, have so many power forwards. We've named like all of them already. And... They really just have no direction. I mean, all of these guys are on a few, like, one- to two-year contracts, and we haven't even mentioned Canada's up-and-coming best basketball player. Sorry, SGA. I'm just kidding. It probably is SGA. But R.J. Barrett, who's almost been forgotten out in the biggest market in the NBA, the third overall pick, he hasn't had a really good season. They've been playing him basically 40 minutes a game, and he's ha- he's been having a fairly tough time. Like he's 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 really getting all the kinks out, but uh, he's uh, he's having a really tough time with turnovers. He's really not hitting any shots, and that just makes me sad. I mean, he's just another part of the Knicks that just make me really really sad. Yeah, and it it is it sounds so easy, but it really just comes from the top, you know, and the people that he hires, the fact that he like meddles in day to day things while also just not being there, it sounds like. And this is all things that I'm just repeating from other podcasts and stuff like that. Howard Beck is always really uh, in tune with uh, with the Knicks being over there in New York. But, man, I got to tell you, the small humble brag here. I had the opportunity of a lifetime to go to New York this past year in 2019 and watch the NBA champion Raptors in Madison Square Garden. It truly is an arena, none or nothing like anything else. It actually seems like they fit twice the amount of people than is supposed to fit in that building. It's such a weird shape inside with the bowl. And when you look on it from the outside, maybe it's because it's in New York and it's surrounded by massive buildings that are twice, three times as tall as it. But you see it on the outside, you're like, wow, the mecca of basketball, MSG. And then you go inside and you're like, wow, how did they fit all of this in here? It just looks like it never ends. And it truly is a really, really special arena. And for that to go to waste, for to not have a playoff team in there, to not, have a, to not even have a team that's competitive or to have certain players to cheer for, 
And a lot of people say that it's one like that's one of the not only one of the best markets, but one of the smartest like basketball fan bases, right? Is these people that grow up and live in New York. It's really a damn shame. A damn, damn shame. That's all you can say. That's very well put. Um it still sells out every day. Of course. Right? It's, oh yeah. And that's the major financial draw to it. Um people go for the arena, not the team. Yeah, dude, it's an experience to be in there. I went for the arena, not the team. I mean, I went for the other team. Yeah. Did they <laughs> did they dim the uh, lights? Uh, oh, theater man, lighting, man. I, I love it when they have theater lighting. Yep. It's a uh, it's a game changer. I think more arenas should do it for sure. It's uh, having the light, or sorry, having the court, the only thing lit up, and everything else is dimmed down. It it looks special, you know. It's what uh, we need lights on the fans for anyway. No, you could still see. Yeah. Right? That's turn not the a lights problem. on turn the lights on for timeouts so people could get up and maneuver and people could put their signs up and get on dance cam or something. Exactly. Shit, right? Like Exactly. Uh otherwise, theater lights. It's about the game. Let the game go. Did I ever tell you who performed at halftime when I was there? New York legend. I think you did, but I forgot. Fat Joe. Oh my god, that's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You saw Fat and Joe. You know what? He he played maybe four songs and they were all like features of his. Like they weren't even like his songs. Really? They were all I forget what songs they were. Um oh. you might know better than I would. But he he didn't say much. He would just go like, Yeah. Come on. Get up. Stuff like that. <laughs> he honest to God didn't like say a sentence. <laughs> oh my god. Uh I don't know if he was drunk. I don't know if he was there. It was a very formulaic sort of he does the songs. Doesn't care about anything else. He knows he's on no. a time crunch. No. Quick check. Yeah. Okay. And he was uh, he was courtside with his boys, some ladies there as well. He definitely had uh, maybe eight or so seats on the on courtside. Big but, shouts, Fat Joe. Sure. Noted <laughs> noted sneakerhead, Fat Joe. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I got nothing against him, but uh, can't say I was enthused by his performance. He's no longer Fat Joe. He's more like Medium Joe now. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, I could perform better, from what I understand. Uh. And the next thing goes back, like, to the, like, I remember finding about the CEA agency and how uh, right. J.R. Smith and Carmel Anthony were of the same agency. And uh, they were extremely cutthroat as far as, like, doing their business uh, to the point where they would manipulate teams or try and, like, curry favor with teams to uh, get their agents more money over other players. And um, as soon as, like, Jeremy Lin emerged... Like CAA, like definitely took note, and like it's it's insinuated that they fed the ears of Jr. and Mello because those were two of their guys uh, about what Lynn will do to them financially if Lynn sticks around, and how how he's overrated and such. Um, and this is something that Dolan has kind of allowed the Knicks to be subject to, to kind of be stuck to one agency uh because i believe amari stoudemire was part of that same agency later on like if if you get in these sorts of positions like you have to reassess on a fundamental level the relationships you're making as a business right um because that really screwed them up i think jeremy lynn was perfect for the guard uh but also we had like i don't know a 15 game sample where he was the he was the talk of the town he was the talk of the world yeah and it was the funnest shit ever, too. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Man. But Jeremy Lin continued to be 
and I, I think even though he's in China, still is a serviceable player. Um, but given his race and given the position that he was in on the Knicks, he never actually got that chance. Did get a ring though, didn't he? Yeah, Did yeah. He ring. just posted about. Uh, he just got it, I guess. So it took a while to get over to China. Yeah, that freight mail. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It took it took a bit, but uh, yeah, he posted about it. He's like, yeah, this thing's fat. Nice. It is fat. It's it's pretty damn big. But yeah, you made a really good point about the agency, man. We've talked about this a little bit in the past. I'm waiting for that de facto documentary or like really big, like fifteen to twenty thousand word piece all about the agents and how they're like the puppeteers basically of the NBA. Straight up. You know, they're definitely more in the limelight now. I think Rich Paul has been a huge part of that with clutch. Courtside and shit. But it's the more we hear about them and the the more we hear about how they are actually the ones making the real moves and kind of putting the pieces in place to where they want to be and where their uh, where their clients want to be. It's so fascinating to me. It's really, really fascinating to me. It's actually like I really like uh, the barber. Uh, no, not the barber. The shop uh, that HBO show uh, with with uh, Rich Kleinman or not Rich Kleinman. Sorry, Rich Paul and. And LeBron James and uh, and everybody because I love hearing Rich Paul talk, you know, uh, hearing him talk about things that uh, that matter to him and his kind of uh, mindset. I'm not surprised at all that he got to where he is, but yeah, th- he's not the only one. And I don't know all these agents off by uh, off by name, but I mean, the creative artist agency is obviously massive. They have a huge umbrella over the NBA and I mean stars in general around North America. And yeah, they they really they're the ones pushing the buttons behind the scenes that uh, we really don't see or hear or talk about. Basketball is a game of runs. It's also a ga- it's also a Game of Thrones. <laughs> for every for every Rich Paul, uh, or sorry, for every uh, Kawhi and LeBron, there's a Rich Paul and Uncle Dennis. Yo, Uncle so, Dennis. So hey, uh, they may have uh, different names. They may be in the shadows, but there are power brokers, and that's possible. Possibly the most interesting thing we still don't know about in the NBA. Bunch of little fingers everywhere, man. Straight up, all these, all these little manipulators and stuff. Uh, there's no one more powerful than Kawhi right now, I think, and uh, he finessed the league unlike anyone we've ever seen do in 20 years. <laughs> in his own time. In his own free time. <laughs> we didn't even think the dude like was on during free time. We thought he like plugged into a charger and just shut off. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that cyborg actually has a full range of emotions and capabilities and power broking, unlike anything we've ever seen before. Part of that was his camp and Uncle Dennis, which is basically an agent at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And uh, he was the one that try- was trying to get a piece of the Lakers to go there, right? Yeah. And think about the millions and millions of dollars that Rich Paul has made people who don't ultimately matter to basketball right now. Hey, we, we were talking about Eric Bledsoe before, right? J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, all these guys got paid. Oh, yeah. That's the Rich Paul effect, baby. Man, anywhere else you want to go before we wrap this up? Nah, fuck the Knicks. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's a good thing we got that explicit <laughs> tag on yeah. uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which you should subscribe to if you're listening now. You probably have, so we appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode here of Game of Runs. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for listening.